I have to be honest with you, our intent is not to make you crave potato chips after watching that video, because I just thought about that, like crunch, I was like, that is like, I can't tell if it's like crunching a Lay's potato chip, maybe like two or three Pringles together, because I mean, one Pringle, seriously, you got to have a couple of them, you know, it's like, it totally sounds like that, so that's not our intent, um, we do hope you enjoy these videos, and the kind of intro, everything that I say, creative team does just a fantastic job um, of preparing all of this actually for you every week. Um, prior to um, really kind of entering into a mode of study for this message that you're going to hear today, uh, I was actually at a coffee shop in Macon, and I, I had an opportunity. I was up there running some errands, and, and I'm a coffee lover, so I went into this coffee shop, and uh, it was kind of a, it's a very somber kind of atmosphere in there. It's very chill. It's just, you kind of sit there. They have some very soft music playing. It's a good kind of study environment. And, and I was sitting there. I got my drink, and I'm sitting in the chair, and it's kind of facing the room. And so as I'm facing the room, um, I, I kind of, I'm kind of focused in my, 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 my study. And, and all of a sudden, I kind of hear this, this little girl's voice. It's starting to get a little bit louder and a little bit louder in, in the corner of the room. And her mom's like, shh. So her mom's like trying to quiet down. It's like, Okay, okay, okay. So she's quiet, and I, I kind of sitting there, and I kind of I was like, oh, that's really sweet, you know. I'm like, look at this little girl. She's, you know, just having a good time. She's super, super young. She's probably like three or four. And uh, so then I kind of put my head down, and I'm studying again, and and I'm just kind of doing that. Well, now, now it's a little bit different. And when I'm looking at her, like she got my attention fully this time. And when I looked at her. She actually had a crown on her head and she was literally marching in the middle of the coffee shop. And I was like, that is awesome. This little girl is oblivious to anyone else that's going on here. Her and her childlike wonder is just so just kind of set in, in, in kind of in her own way. She, I just, I just know that she thought she was a princess in the middle of like a castle. She was definitely a royalty. She had a crown. She was marching. I don't know. It was an army she's in. I don't know what she was doing, but it was legit. And she just had the biggest smile on her face while her mom was trying to quiet her down. Of course, you know, it's like public place. She got to be quiet, quiet, quiet. And she looked up like, what? I'm a princess, you know? And so I thought that was like the coolest thing. And and I also thought, man, there's such, there's, there's such a valuable thing here because the topic we're going to talk about today, you never talk about in church. You never hear about in church. It's, not, it's, it's something that's honestly all throughout the Bible, but yet people like me are very hesitant to talk about it because they, I don't know if it's because they're afraid or because of some misconceptions. I don't know what it is, but man, I just, I, I looked at this little girl and she's just like living out this childlike wonder. And I was like, I hope and pray that you receive this message today in childlike wonder. Maybe wondering of, maybe there's something you've missed in your walk with God. Maybe this could be the explanation as to why you're not where you need to be spiritually. Maybe this could be the very thing. And I'm not even overstating this one bit. Maybe this could be the very thing that becomes the tipping point for you to have that aha moment. I, that, that your life is no longer just the peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, where, where you kind of, your emotions kind of just ebb and flow so much that everybody else in your life kind of stands back and says, I don't know who they are today, so I just want to stand back. You see, I, I believe that if we were to get into this, and if you just start to receive this, and understand that, that there's some misconceptions, we're going to address them in, in a few minutes. There's some misconceptions about this. But when you talk about what meditation is and what it is not, meditation, biblical meditation, helps us to be able to not only understand what it is that we're supposed to do, if you're a follower of Christ, what it is that we're supposed to do, but also what we're supposed to believe and how it is that we're supposed to behave based off of that belief. Here's one thing I know about all of you and every person who um, is actually listening to this message online, I do know some things. And I brought this, this little illustration. It worked um, at the 915, and man, I am believing good things about it right now. So, um, so here's some things I know about everyone who's listening to this message. You fit into one of these categories. Because some of us 
fit into this category. We may think that we're filled with Christ. We may think that we're Christians. You may think that based off of some, something you did 40 years ago, and yet your life has not looked any different. You haven't pursued Christ at all, but yet you're like, you have all of your belief kind of string, just hanging, like a, hanging on a string of some decision that you made or you thought you made way back when, and you prayed a prayer, and a prayer was something like this. And I'm not trying to be cruel or rude when I say this, but I do want to be true to the Word of God. I want to honor God in all things, even if that makes us feel uncomfortable. Amen? Some things happen in our early in life where we, we pray these prayers, and we say we pray these prayers that are like this. Well, I pray to ask Jesus into my heart. That is an unbiblical prayer to salvation. It is an unbiblical prayer to salvation. So some of us, we, maybe we prayed those prayers. Maybe, maybe some of us didn't even know. When we actually led our kids in those prayers. And, and if they're saved or not, that's not up to me to decide. That's between God and them. And that's between, honestly, it's between God and you if you're saved or not. That's not where I'm going. What I do know is there's some people in here who think they're saved and yet they're not saved. That's a gripping reality because I love you. I may not even know you, but Christ compels me to love all people. That's why I love all people. I don't care where you're from. I don't care of your ethnicity. I don't care of your race. I don't care of your background. I don't care who your mama is or who your diddy is, as we say here in Georgia, right? Did I get that right? I don't care. I, I love you because Christ compels me because I am so loved by God that, that I, out of the response of his love for me, man, I want to show the love of Christ to everyone, and I want to love everyone. So, but, but in, that, in that, that love, I have to let you know, some of you are just empty vessels. You don't have Christ, although in your mind, you may think that you do. And you're empty. There's nothing. When you stand before God, you're going to be, you're going to have nothing to show for. And no salvation to rest on. Empty. Then, we have some others. And the rest of these would be, categorically, they would be Christians. The rest of these would categorically be Christians. If this goes bad, I'm just, I'm just going to go with it. This is really hot water in really thin plastic, so this could be really neat. So my dream is to be on Food Network, so I'm living it today. Just kidding. Um, so so these, this would be categorically not a follower of Christ, not a Christian. These would be categorically Christians. And there, there are some people who you've committed your life to Christ. You've accepted the salvation um, as redemption for your sins. You've accepted that. You're saved. You've accepted the Lordship of Jesus, but yet you have not grown one bit in that. And this could be you haven't grown and you got saved a week ago. This could be you haven't grown and you've been saved for 40 years and yet you're basing your whole life off of the salvation moment which you're saved because the blood of Jesus cleanses us. We're gonna see that in a minute. It cleanses us. But you're here and yet your life doesn't look much different than before you got saved. Doesn't look much different. You have a little difference, not much difference. You're not actually growing very much at all. You're not. And you, you kind of think much like you did before your salvation and your life hasn't looked much different. Your relationships haven't looked much different. And unfortunately, this person has not been renewed in their mind. This person is not somebody who's digging into the word of God. This person here is not someone who is um, who's reading the word at all. They may attend church irregularly or regularly, but they come in and they don't hear it and they kind of, they, re- they, they listen to it, but if they don't like it, they reject it really quickly. That's these people. They're saved by the blood of Jesus, not grown one bit. But we're not done. See how this goes. This group, this group, they have a walk with Christ also. I already told you that. They have a walk with Christ. Their walk with Christ, they've grown just a little bit, and yet they don't spend much time in, in the Word of God. They don't spend much time in community. They don't spend much time in prayer. They, they're actually, spiritual formation for them is just really something they're like, what, huh, what is that? Spiritual disciplines, prayer, I do that when I need something, when I want to ask God for something. So they are changed just a little bit, but not a lot. They're saved, but yet I can see the different color from here. Maybe you 
you can't. But this person here, it's like they're trying to base their whole walk with God off of a devotional time with God. So it's like, well, I got this verse. I read this story. And they're here. I spent two minutes with you, Jesus, on my way to work. And or I scanned through my Bible app while I was waiting in line. Boom. I got my food for today, Jesus. Thank you. You know, now I'm going to be I'm going to be who you want me to be. And that's just simply impossible to, for you to fully be changed like that. You're saved, absolutely. You may have grown a little bit, and yet you, you have a taste for the Word of God, but you're not into the Word of God. So you just kind of, you dabble. You just, just dabble a little bit. But the last group, this is where I want us to be. This idea is... Is, is based off of uh, something that was taught through the Navigator's ministry decades ago, but it is so true. It's five different things. I got it right during the 915. Let's see if I get it right this time. The first thing, and they, it's called the hand principle. The first thing is they read the Bible. You just read it. You just read it. The second one is you hear the Bible, which means that, that you're sitting in here and you, you not only you, do you read it for yourself, you also hear it. You hear it being read to you and preached. You you. You have read it, now you hear it. The third one is you study it. We were not doing a good job at this at the church. That's the reason why we did the intensive Bible studies. That's the reason why that, that it is such a valuable ministry that, that Karen Powell is providing by teaching us how, how to teach precept by, or excuse me, how to study precept by precept. She's been doing that. It's been phenomenal. I, I do it now myself. It, it replaced anything I was using before. It is that good. So that's the study. So, so far we've read, we've heard, we've studied. The fourth one, right? And this is the, the cutoff. Some of us do the first three, but then we missed the last, the last two. The next one is you memorize. You memorize. Easy enough. The last one is meditate. This person, this person is somebody who's, they are, are, are they're listening, they're, they're reading the Word of God regularly. And after they read the Word of God, they're studying it, they hear it, they attend church regularly, they're in community, maybe in community groups, they're memorizing it, maybe there's a, a certain temptation they have, they're tempted to sin, and yet they're seizing the Word of God, they're filling their mind with the Word of God, they're memorizing that, they have the mind of Christ, they're being renewed in that. And then lastly, they, they're now, and what I want us to have as a result of this talk, I'm really trying not to put my finger in this hot water, it's not working real well for me so far, it's really hot, um, but the last one is the meditating, and, I, and we're going to see why it is so important. And this will slowly, burn my finger, this will slowly soak in to the water. You see, the reason why we need this, the reason why we have to identify where we are and be honest with where we are, either we, we some of you, not, man, if you're not a follower of Christ and you know it, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. We secretly want you to be, because we believe that, not only does, does the salvation rooted in Christ make you better at life, but it also makes your life better. We really believe that. So, so I understand that you're here, and I understand some are saved. Some are just kind of like dabbling in the Bible, and, and you know what? I'm glad you're here. But man, I want us to get to this place. I want us to get to this place where we just kind of soak into the Word of God. There are some things that get in the way of that. We're going to talk about it in just a couple minutes. But to do all of this, we first have to do what we talked about last week. We have to understand that we, as if you're a follower of Christ, you're supposed to be training yourself to be godly. Training. Those are things that we are to be doing. This in accordance to 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. That we are to be training for godliness. That's what we're supposed to do. Not attending church occasionally, regularly. We're supposed to be training ourselves for godliness. And then over on the other side, we're supposed to be renouncing or rejecting ungodliness. You see, we cannot be godly unless we're also rejecting ungodliness. So you're not going to be able to train in godliness or reject or, re or renounce ungodliness unless you've spent time in the word of God. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But it, some good things can. Donald Whitney said this, this becomes great for us and also becomes tension for us, to be honest with you. He said this, meditation, this he's talking about Christian meditation, it opens the soil of the soul and lets the water of God's word percolate deeply, 
deeply. I love that word, deeply. Not just a shallow, not just a little devotional here and there. And, well, I heard that Bible verse, or I've got it on the back of my shirt, or I put it on my kid's shirt. It's, it's they're, they're letting the, the water of God's word percolate deeply. And he says that the root is fruitfulness and spiritual prosperity, which is rooted in our main passage today in Psalm 1. So I love this, and I look at this, and I'm thinking, man, I want that for you. And yet many of you are convinced right now, you're kind of tense, because you think meditation is, is maybe something that it's an unbiblical definition, which has become the common definition now. Or you think, well, I have to be super spiritual to do that. I mean, all of the things that you said, Pastor, and just the, all of the, the soaking God's word, I'm like, I just, some of you just feel like you're not worthy of that because of things that you've done. Maybe things you're currently doing, or maybe it's just you're kind of coming back to the faith and you're like, you know what, I'm just taking a chance and I'm just believing that God's willing to take another chance on me. This is not for the super spiritual. This is simply for someone who is a follower of Christ and who is just ready to go to the next level spiritually. So if that's you, wherever you are in the spiritual strata, this is for you. And yet there's, there's difficulty because many of us haven't even heard messages on this, including me. This morning was my first message I've ever heard on this topic. Isn't that weird? It's weird to me. But our main text is in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I'll tell you some things specific to the Psalms. It's actually a collection of five different books put into one. And this is the longest collection of writings in the Bible. The Psalms are, are crazy long. Um, it actually has the longest kind of chapter in the Bible is also in Psalms. And in the Psalms, uh, rather with the Psalms, they, uh, they were written in between 1000 BC and 400 BC. So obviously spanning several years, most of the Psalms were written by David, King David, and then uh, some others were anonymously written, including this one. This would have been with the nation of Israel. They would have used the Psalms um, for public worship, but also personal devotional time. So this, even what we're going to be into has a, a public responsibility as me sharing it, but also a personal responsibility that you take home and that you do with what the word says. Let's go through these three packed verses. First verse says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord or the instruction of the Lord is how it can be translated. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The, the word meditates there. I'm going to stop for just a second. The word meditates there. It's going to become really important in a minute. It, it doesn't mean to sit and empty yourself. The word meditate means, that it's the, word, the, the Hebrew word hagah. It means to murmur or to read out loud or to recite quietly. That's what this word means. So it doesn't mean silence empty as what a, a lot of other religions would make it mean today by redefining it. This literally means for us, it's to murmur, to just say to yourself, to read out loud or to, to recite quietly. And it says on his law, he meditates day and night. Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. All right, let me ask you this question before we dissect this, this short passage. Does anybody know the place, in the, the theme park in central Florida that's known as the happiest place on earth? Anyone? Anyone? What is it called? There you go. You said it. Man, you guys didn't make it seem like it was the happiest place on earth. For sure. Disney World. You, know, you sound depressed. Wake up. Drink some coffee. Um, here, enjoy some tea. Um, so... So Disney has this claim, right? And I've gone to Disney a couple times. And, and Disney is, 
it's very similar. It's like, I love to people watch. Anybody else like to people watch? If that makes me a creeper, I'm a creeper. Like, I like to people watch. I'll just be honest with you. And at Disney, it's like the best place of all time because you go in the gates and then, you know, you have like Main Street USA and then the Gigantor Castle, right? Like right in front of you. It's like they want you to walk in and be like, woo, and just be blown away by this whole experience. They want it to be the happiest place on earth. And I can tell you, when the place opens, you park your car, you walk in those two miles or take the tram for two miles and you're already sweating because it's the middle of the summer because this is your vacation. Now you go in there and everything's great and you bring all your little chillins in there and you got the kids up and they're, they're hanging out and you're sitting down and they're in Main Street USA and you get through the turnstile and you wonder if those electronic tickets are going to work, but they do and you're so happy that they do. And you go in and they, they beep them in and now you're standing in Main Street USA and now it's just rows and rows and rows of neat stuff and the castle and you're like whoa right that's disney if you've never been there i just took you there that's what it's like i mean it is the place of child like wonder and like you go in there and it and i can tell you when the place opens and you walk in you have your kids and it's like it may be it may be like as far as theme parks go it's a pretty stinking happy place but at about four o'clock the sun's setting, Central Florida heat, it's 1,000 degrees. You've already spent $300 on drinks. You can't find a water fountain because they're strategically placed at that side of the park and that side of the park, and yet you're somewhere in the middle, you think. You're not really sure because you're just trying to guide yourself blindly through this map, right? This is every theme park experience, and yet it's the happiest place on earth. So you are going through all this, and now it's 4 o'clock, sun setting, you're thirsty, everybody's thirsty. Kids no longer in their happy place, are they? They're no longer there. And you're thinking, you know what? We dropped $500 to go to Disney. We're going to be here until they close. I, you better suck it up, right? I bought this ahead of time. We're not getting, we're not getting a rain check. So you drag, and, and now you're less convinced that it may be the happiest place on earth, but it's a still a really cool place. And yet you're less convinced that it's the happiest place on earth than about 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and now you're just trying to make it through. And, and by this time, you've dropped $1,000. By the time you got in there, you bought all the meals, you, you, you got all the drinks, you've already had all of the ice cream, you've, you've had the ice cream of the future, and you found out that it's actually not that much unlike regular ice cream, but you had to try it because your kids are like, that's what the astronauts have, right? And like you go through the whole experience, and then you're less convinced it is the happiest place on earth. Go to your text, please, in Psalm 1, verse 1. The word blessed means happy. The word blessed means happy. And it may be so hard for you to believe. But God wants you to be happy. But happiness doesn't just come from you. Happiness comes from him. You see, happiness isn't a destination on the map. Happiness, the contentedness, what we're going to see next week, is a resting place for your soul. That's what that is. So blessed is the man. But did you see the conditions? Let's go back to our text. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. If you're somebody who underlines or takes notes, you may want to underline or write down walk. Then it continues, or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of mockers. There's a progression here. The idea is this, that if you, and even Christians do this, if you start partnering with or you start kind of living your life or start pursuing the same things that those who are outside of the faith are pursuing, he says, it happens like this. It's just a subtle walk. You're just, just walking. Maybe you're just walking right next to, which means that you're doing the same thing as the wicked. You see these, these three words throughout the Psalms. You see the word, the wicked, in what you see in the text. You see the word blessed, which is connected to another word, the word righteous. You see those throughout the Psalms. So the word wicked, you see this, the word blessed and the word righteous. And this is the, the, the 
the contrast of the wicked, those who are far away from God. They're not inside the family of God, even if their minds are, are believing maybe that they are, or they're convinced that they are, but maybe they are not. And yet there's the other side. It's the blessed side, the contented side. It's the righteous side. That means that they are right with God. And you get right with God through the blood of Jesus. And yet right here in this passage, it says, blessed is the man who does not do these things, who does not walk. Right? So you walk, and this could be somebody, a Christian, looking at a non-Christian, and just they just kind of, they're walking, they start just walking in the same direction. But did you notice the progression? But then they stop walking. Then they're paying more attention to the ungodly act or person, and now they're standing. So now you're standing and you're addressing that person. So not only are you walking, you're like now you're even more curious. So now, tell me about that. Now you're standing. But then when you sit, see that when you sit, that means that you've already submitted to their way of life. You've already submitted. You've already submitted. And I think one of the reasons why we don't know what meditation is, one of the reasons why every time I mention the word, the words reading your Bible, you're consumed with guilt and you're just consumed with a bunch of things that kind of seems paralyzing is because you, you realize that you are not where you ought to be as far as your studies and your knowledge and your application of the word of God. And yet you, you, you aren't in that way and you feel guilty. And what I believe we're doing is we are walking in the way of the wicked. We're sitting with the wicked we're standing with the wicked in the way that they keep themselves so busy and you stay so busy because here's what here's what I know about you and it would be said of me in times of my life I would say if I could just ask you just privately and say hey tell me about the time you spent in in the Bible tell me about your time that you spend Christian particularly how much time do you spend in the Bible a day. And you would, you would automatically come up with a bunch of reasons why you're not where you ought to be scripturally and, and applying the scriptures. I know this. This is just kind of who we are sometimes. And you would give me reasons and you would say, you know what? I would study the Bible more if I had, what's the next word? Time. If I had time. You know what? It's just not that easy, Pastor. I just don't have time. Let me, let me just ask you this. How many hours are there in a day? Your day. Yours. Right? It's kind of the same as everyone else's. So how about we engage a different thought process? Maybe we... We learn the art of slowing down. The art of slowing down. And maybe the, the, the way of the wicked that we're following in is just the, the hectic, busy lives that everybody else is leading. And maybe the reason why we can't spend time in the Word of God is because we're so, concerned, so consumed with living like the world. I wonder if that could be the case. You say, you know what, I would love to, Pastor, but I just don't have time. One of the great things about going to a third world country is they have no concept of time. It's, you go to a third world country and it's, you just, you go there and it's just, you say, uh, we're going to start at 10. It may be 10.30, it may be 11, it may be 11.30, and that honestly cuts against every part of me because I'm like, you said 10 o'clock. I was here 10 minutes early. I'm sitting ready at 10. Third world countries, they have really no concept of time. No more. They, they have things figured out so much better than us in that regard. They know that, that just you just don't have to live the hectic, crazy, busy life all the time that you can get yourself off of, the, of that, that wheel, the hamster wheel. You can get yourself off of that. So they just sit back and we're like, you know what? We'll get there. When we get there, you see the art of slowing. The art of slowing does some things for us. 
The art of slowing yourself to the overly busy rhythms of life prepares you to seep and soak yourself in God's word. That's what it does. When you decide ahead of time that I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing just because they're doing it, not just because they think I should do it. Then what you've done in yourself is you've made your walk with God, you've made your time and the word of God a priority. When you make that a priority, it means that you have to learn the art of slowing. That means that you're not just going to be hectically drawn like the rest of the world to go do and do and do and produce and produce and produce. That you can sit back in the confidence of God and say, you know what? I could do all those things. I could, I could do what everybody else in the world's doing, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Because if I do that, I won't be able to soak up God's Word. I won't be able to spend time in God's word if I'm consumed with, with everybody else's schedule for me. And I want to teach you a word. Parents, you've taught your kids this word. But you've forgotten this word for yourself. And it's the word no. You tell your kids no all the time. And then when they say why, you're like, because I said no, right? When they just wear you out. You need to say no to things that hinder your walk with God. You need to say no to the non-essential things. Because blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Content is the man. There was one man who walked the face of the earth who modeled this perfectly. I bet you know his name. His name was Jesus. Titus 2.14 says this about Jesus. That he gave his life. That he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. To cleanse us. That means to, to wash away our sins. And he washes away our sins by the blood that he shed on the cross. So he gave his life, willingly submitting his life, voluntarily going to the cross. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin and to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Two scriptures I mentioned last week made reference to this, Romans 8, 14 and Romans 8, 16. It talks about how those um, who commit their life to Christ and who surrender to Jesus and they repent of their sins and they ask Jesus, they, they confess him as Lord and Savior and they believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead as it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that once we've done that, the Bible says that you are saved, that your, your sins don't have the grip and power anymore that you are righteous before holy God. And after we do this and after Christ brings us out of that, that sin and guilt and shame and he brings us out, he makes us his very own people, which is what it says, that we were adopted as children of God after salvation in Christ. We're adopted. This is also what Titus is saying here in, or not Titus, but Paul is writing to Titus and he says in, Titus 2, 14. But did you see the last part of this? Totally committed to doing good works. You see, our, our lives, after someone receives Jesus as the satisfaction for their sins and their, the redemption of their souls, our lives should be totally committed to doing good deeds. Good deeds in accordance with what he says are good deeds. You see, I think that's part of the blessed man, looking at, at, at the perfect man, looking at what Jesus did and look at the, the life that he lived. I, I think when it comes to meditation, get back to, your, uh, to the text, verse two, by the way. Did you see in my translation, the very first word is the word but. Anytime you see the word but in the scriptures, what it is, it's showing you a transition of thought. There's a contrast. It says, blessed is the man, and it gives the list, who, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit at the seat of mockers, but, transition word, but his delight, 
the thing that he enjoys is in the law or the instruction of the Lord. Now, this is not just talking about the Old Testament law. This is talking about the whole of scriptures. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does or she does prospers because they have a contentedness for their souls. Because they're pursuing Christ. Because they're part of the family of God. Because he's cleansed them of all their unrighteousness. They have a relationship with him because they're spending time. They're soaking in the word of God. So I think to truly meditate, it takes us to detach and attach. There are things that we have to detach from. We have to detach. I know it's difficult. We have to detach from our phones for extended amounts of time. We have to detach from people for extended amounts of time. We have to detach from, from our devices for a certain amount of time. We have to detach. I'm not saying permanently. I'm not like that. I, I, I'm not totally tech savvy, but I'm not tech illiterate either. I'm like, I'm in it, but I'm not consumed in it. Amen? And you shouldn't be either. So we have to detach from those things. I believe with my, my whole being, there's never been a time in, in the existence of mankind where the Bible has been so available, and yet it, it is so difficult to allow it to absorb into us. It's because of this, there's so many distractions. So we have to detach, but then we have to attach ourselves to the word, and I found some staggering statistics. One minute on the internet, there's 640 terabytes of data transferred, 100,000 tweets, 204 million emails sent, 2 million search queries are answered, 1.3 million videos are viewed on YouTube, and 6 million Facebook views in one minute on the internet that to me that just says i wonder why we're so busy i wonder why we don't have time to spend in the bible it's because you're looking at my feed you're looking at instagram and you're you're looking at everything else you're talking to someone else you were consumed with television we have so many things trying to draw us away and we have to detach so we can attach we have to detach and the problem with all of these statistics that i see here is i see myself guilty in every one of them every one of them like my heart can't take the barrage that the world is throwing at us. So I have to detach from things that are not as valuable to me so I can attach myself to the word of God. I want to give you three scriptures. I'm not going to go over these, but I want you to write these down if you're interested in it. It's the same Hebrew word, Hagah, that the word meditate in three different ways. Maybe you, you want to take these verses and talk about it later. I want to show you that this is actually more of a collection of thought than just one random text in the middle of the Bible. And the first one is Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. The second one is Psalm 119, verse 15, and you see the same line of thinking in James 1.25. And so I'll just say those again. I'm not going to go over these, but Joshua 1.8, Psalm 119, verse 15, and James 1.25. And what we will see here is that when we meditate on the Bible, it's not just a matter of putting things into, uh, into our minds. It's also putting them into practice. It's the, the Eastern religions, they, they use the word meditation, the twisting of the definition. They use the word to, to mean that we, that we literally can just empty ourselves to find some sort of inner peace and inner, to kind of reduce the turmoil inside of ourselves. 
And how foolish is that to think that the answers that we have resting in our soul can be found within ourselves? That sounds, sounds very much like a trick of Satan to get us to be convinced that we can fix ourselves and therefore we would not need Jesus. So that's what the Eastern religions will try to convey. And yet, the Christian definition of of meditation is totally different. The biblical uh, definition, the, the biblical definition of the word meditation is this. It means the using of God's word to inform us, to fill us, and shape us. So when the Bible talks about meditating, this is what it means. It's the using of God's word to inform us. What is it that I'm supposed to do? What is it that I'm supposed to not do? How is it that I'm supposed to be training myself for godliness? And how is it that I'm supposed to know of what I'm supposed to renounce as ungodliness? How is it that I'm supposed to do that? It's because we have allowed the word of God to, to fill us, to inform us, and to shape us. Now, five very practical things. Then we're going to walk through an exercise. These are so practical. You're going to see that the meaning of the word meditate in the Bible, it's meant to be, to not just to be thought of, but something we're supposed to do. So I'm going to give you five very, um, I think, very, very practical and easy to understand ways of meditating on the word, although there are dozens. I'm just giving you one. First thing is steady your mind over a passage. So maybe you're, you, you want to try and meditate on this passage, and you can, find, you can find things to train you in godliness and to renounce ungodliness in every page in the Bible, Old and New Testament, every page. Every type of writing, you can see something to be trained for or something you're training for godliness or renouncing ungodliness. So you want to steady your mind over a passage, which means you've already, you've, you've detached from some of the other things. You've shut your phone off. You've, you've made a way, maybe your kids are in the other room or whatever the thing is that, that you have to do. You've kind of detached and now you're attaching yourself to the word of God. This is what this is. You're steadying your mind. Connected with what we talked about last week with prayer. I would recommend you pray before, what, before these five steps. You pray. Same things I talked to you about. You steady your mind over a passage. Second thing, you slowly read or write the passage. You slowly. What you're doing is you're slowing down your mind. You're slowing down the things that you think about. You're trying to allow those things to kind of fade away so you can actually focus on the text in front of you. So we've steadied our mind over the passage. Secondly, we slowly read or written the passage. Third, you say, write, and, and I found this, I don't do this, but, but this works for some people. You say, write, or sing the passage over and over. What you're doing here is you're taking this, you've, you've, you've steadied your mind over the passage, you've slowly written it, and you're allowing it, the slow seeping of the word into you, and now you're starting to allow it to inform you and shape you and fill you. That's what you're starting to do. So you're saying it, writing, or saying it over and over again. And just imagine the word just percolating in you and going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into your being. The fourth thing is sift through the passage. This, I think, is so important. This is what a lot of times we don't do. A lot of people do the first three, and they don't do the last two. This is really, I think, where meditation really, really matters. So you sift through the passage for the teaching, correcting, instruction, and training that the Spirit is leading you to apply. So now you've studied your, yourself on it. You're looking at it. You're, you're, you're repeating the text over and over and over. You've done all of that. Now you're sifting through the passage. You're going through it slowly. You're saying things like, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me about you in this text? God, what is it that, is there something in my life that, that needs to be corrected biblically? God, is there an instruction in, in my life that I need right now? What is the instruction in my life that I need right now? 
and the training. Say, God, I'm looking at your word. Is this training me for godliness or is this training me to renounce ungodliness? Which one is it? So, that was four. One more to go. I want to give you a great big help after this one. This one is state what you're, commit, what you're committing to do or to believe by writing it down on a journal, post-it note, a note card. So I'm not saying this is your oath to God. I'm not saying that at all. But what you're doing is you're, you're allowing this, this process not to be wasted. And now you're going down and you're saying, in accordance with what your word said, whether it's teaching, training, correction, what, the instruction, whatever it is, now you're saying, I'm committed to do this or I'm committed to start believing this. And you write it down because if you don't write it down, it will be gone two minutes later. It just will. It'll be gone. So you write it down. You write it down. And this, I think, is a very practical way of saying, okay, here's five tips, five steps, if you will, to what biblical meditation is. It's not a matter of getting into some Zen place. It's not a matter of you trying to fix you because let's be honest, that hasn't worked so far, has it? It's not that at all. It's allowing the Word of God to, to inform us, to fill us, and to shape us. Now, about what you see on the screen. Some of you are going to be so tempted to go right to social media and say, I read my Bible, and I did this, and I did this, and, and I heard this, this very valuable thing, and I'm committed to do this. And, you want, and, and, the, and the tendency is to let the whole world know And on Instagram, you're going to line up that perfect picture over your Bible, over the passage that you've been discussing, and you got the perfect hashtag, and you're waiting for all of your peeps to look at it and to cheer you on. You go, sister. You go, brother. Whatever it is that your friends say. That sounded weird. But whatever it is that your friends say, and you're going to be so tempted to put that on there. You're going to be so tempted to share that on Facebook and on Facebook to put the whole blurb of the whole experience, and this is what I'm committed to do. This is what I'm committed to believe, and I'm trained for this, and I'm corrected for this, and this is the instruction I received from Jesus, and this is what I'm going to do from this day forward. And I'll be honest with you, that is the last thing you need to do when you have first stated that you're committing to do something or to start believing something because the Spirit of God has led you to it. You are not ready for that spiritual battle yet. And it's no one else's business yet as to what God is doing in you. It's not Rather, and it's not that it's no one's business. You should confide in maybe one or two people, but you do not. You need to just blare that out to whoever would see it. And this is exactly what's going on because you are, at, at this point, you are so vulnerable to the spiritual attacks that you are not equipped for. So write it down in a journal, your journal. Post-it note. If you need to put it in your car, maybe your office, at, at your computer screen, someplace that you're going to see it all the time. Maybe take a picture and actually put it on the front of your phone so before you swipe, you're just reminded of that commitment, what it is that Jesus is teaching right in that moment. Maybe for you, it's old school. It's just a note card. You just put in your pocket a note card. But man, I want, I want you and I to be able to say at the end of our days that, that we are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever we do prospers. Man, I want that to be said of us. I want that to be the echo of our community after the community starts to change because we've decided not to live like the rest of the ungodly people in our community that we decide ahead of time the the art of slowing, then we're not just going to say yes to everything. Instead, we're going to evaluate if we should say yes or we should say no. And then we spend time meditating on the Word of God, and the Word of God is teaching us and training us to be godly and teaching us and training us to renounce ungodliness. Then we will have something to offer the world around us. They need us. Jesus left us here as the light of the world. That we would be a contrast community. As we live our lives for him, that other people would notice.
In closing, I want us to read this passage twice. It's only three verses. It'll be easy. I'm going to read, the first time is going to be very slow, and the second time that we read it, I'm going to personalize it. This is another way that you can kind of meditate to where it takes it, takes it and, and just brings it to a personal, a personal level. Let's read together Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now let's personalize it. I'm a blessed man. I will not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I will not stand in the way of sinners. I will not sit at the seat of mockers. My delight will be in the law of the Lord. And on that law, I will meditate day and night. I will be like a tree planted by streams of water. And my life will yield fruit in season And whatever I do will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been a challenge for me to study this brand new material for me. But my hope is that as we leave from here today, that you won't be afraid of that word. That you will allow God's word, not perfectly, but increasingly, to slowly seep into your being. Then our lives will be fruitful. Then may it be said of us that we're prosperous. Have a great day.